0: Alive and Kicking with Claire McKenna on News Talk.
1: You can email the show alive and kicking at Newstalk.com or you'll find me on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at Claire McKenna Presents. Coming up this morning, Darren Kennedy is a TV presenter, a columnist with the Sunday Independent, and perhaps best known for his style and impeccable grooming. Today he joins me to talk about what health and wellness means to him and a subject close to his heart, the Irish Cancer Society, Night Nurses. Sinead Crow runs Intuitive Eating Ireland with her sister Gillian and through their events and social media, they spread the word of life away from diet culture and healing your relationship with food and your body. Today, she joins me to talk about how this can be applied to your children, particularly when so many of them just seem to constantly ask for snacks or treats Can you really introduce a life with no food rules? I'll be asking her a little bit later on. And I paid a visit to Drift Flotation Therapy and Salt Caves in Dublin for a few hours of bliss. It was my first time ever in a flotation pod. Find out how I got on a little later in the show. So what kind of a health and wellness week did I have? Well, I had the most incredible morning last week. Back in November last year, I launched a podcast. Now, I adore this show and I am aware it is podcast too. But I wanted to have a podcast where there's one guest for the full 45 minutes too, as that space has really opened up and I love to listen to them myself. So I launched Changemakers to speak to people who stand up, speak out or challenge us to think a little differently and find out what motivates them to do what they do. So I wanted to have a little launch and I had asked Neil Omoraku, who has been a guest on this show before. He's actually coming back over the next couple of weeks too. And I asked him to hold a breathing session on the beach near where I live. Now, I had to cancel that date because, of course, COVID struck in our house. Then the second date had to change because I had a family funeral. But last Friday was the third time lucky and it was so worth the wait. People gathered at the beach at sunrise. Nature is great, but trying to merge the tide with the sunrise, a date when Neil and I were free, and to have the weather play ball seemed like a big ask, but I have to say everything came together beautifully. I was floating around all day after it, and not just from the 20 minutes of breath work that Neil led us in, which he said research shows reduces inflammation in the body for up to 20 hours afterwards. But because I was so chuffed with how it went. And the night before, the way we always do, I was thinking, what the hell are you doing? Why are you doing this? Are you really going to stand up on the beach and start talking about your bloody podcast? I so wished I was just a participant and that I could just blend in rather than an organiser and stand out. But I pushed through. I had no choice and it was great. And you know what? It wasn't even really a big deal. I just said something short and let Neil take it away. And as I wrote on my Instagram that day, it has been a lesson. When you push yourself out of your comfort zone, magic can happen. You can email the show, kicking at newstalk.com. And speaking of pushing yourself out of the comfort zone, I was contacted on Instagram this week by a man setting out this week to complete 32 half ironmans in 32 counties in 32 days. Mick Burton is on the line now. Mick, are you well in yourself to make this plan?
2: Absolutely, 100%. 100%. Where did this
1: idea come from?
2: Um, it came from a good friend of mine, actually. Uh, a, a man who's helping with the sponsorship to it. But one morning we were in Kaliny and we were swimming and uh, Alan decided, wouldn't it be great if someone could do a half iron in, in every county of Ireland? And we all kind of looked at him and goes, you're mad. And then it kind of just stayed in my head for a couple of weeks and then a month. And then I decided, you know what, I'm going to give that a crack, so.
1: And yeah, how are you feeling now that the date is approaching? You're You're heading off this week.
2: Yeah, so I'm heading off four days till like till like I kick off. Um and I feel great. I'm I'm actually kind of buzzing. Um I was out with Connor O'Keefe yesterday. He's doing thirty-two marathons in thirty-two counties, he's just about to finish up in a few days. And he gave me a real good buzz there yesterday. He was like, It's gonna be amazing.
1: What I'm was his so number one fun. tip?
2: His number one tip was eat everything. Okay. That was his number one tip. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that was his number one tip.
1: Obviously, these aren't arranged competitions. You're just plotting your own half Ironman in yeah. each county and on to the next, yeah. on to the next, on to the next. Starting yeah. where and finishing where?
2: Starting in Donegal um, and then finishing in my somewhat hometown of Bray, County Wicklow.
1: And you're doing this all for charity, the Irish Cancer Society Jigsaw and... November, but yes. as well as this this is going to be quite a personal endeavor this is you're going to yes. learn a lot about yourself
2: yeah well I am doing it for charities um, and I'm doing it to raise awareness for all those three charities but in the same breath I am doing it for myself so I'm doing it to push my body to the absolute limit and see how far I can go and, and test myself both physically and mentally yeah
1: Have you been surprised at what you can take on in your training so far? Um,
2: Yeah, I would have been coming from the base that I came from. Uh, I would be very surprised. Like if you had said to me three, four years ago, oh yeah, you'll do an Ironman or you'll do two Ironmans in the next two years. I would have said absolutely no chance. Sure, I can barely run 4K. But um, yeah, I've definitely surprised myself um, over the last... I suppose two years with the training that I've done.
1: Well, more power to you. What what I've heard time and time again is it's so much more about the mind than it is about the the physical. If you can believe you can do it, you're halfway there. And we are fully behind you. If people want to support you and find out more, they can go to the thirty two thirty two thirty two challenge dot com. Thirty two triathlons. 32 counties in 32 days. Will you come back in at the end of it and tell us how you got on?
2: I will indeed. Can I just give a shout out as well to uh, a couple of businesses that are making this happen? So, and a couple of people, because without these people, this wouldn't be going ahead because I wouldn't be able to financially support, you know, going around the country. So uh, Alan Hardy from Hardy Partnerships, David O'Neill from Drumlark and Construction and James McGuire from, Lawn Turf, the Lawn Turf firm, they're what making it happen. So I wouldn't be able to do it without them. And absolutely, I'll come in when I'm finished this if I'm able to walk, but I'm sure I will be able to.
1: Well, more power to you. We wish you all the best. Michael Burton, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you very much for having me, Claire. Thank you very much and all the best. Now, Sinead Crow runs Intuitive Eating Ireland with her sister Gillian. And through their events and social media, they spread the word about life away from diet culture and healing relationships with food and your body. Today, she joins me to talk about how this can be applied to children. Can you really introduce a life with no food rules? Sinead Crow is on the line now. Hello, Sinead. Hey, Claire, How's it going? Thanks for having me. So you have been involved in Intuitive Eating. You and your sister run Intuitive Eating Ireland. That's really been gaining so much momentum over the last couple of years, if not before. How did you come into it all?
3: Well, I guess it was because I reached an an exhausted point in my own life, really, Um, you know, fed up of being on the diet and um, thinking, you know, I was probably about maybe 35 at the time and was thinking there has to be more than this there just has to be more than this and you know myself and my sister were kind of at the same point and we decided let's ditch the dieting and we discovered intuitive eating and felt that why not share it we couldn't find any other accounts really at the time now obviously there, there's a lot and we discovered them afterwards but at the time we didn't know anybody else talking about intuitive eating and we said well sure why don't we just maybe document some of our experience what we're learning what we're unlearning so that was about two and a half years ago now and uh, yeah so here we are hopefully sharing the what we're learning about intuitive eating with them um, with anyone that wants to hear about it
1: and yourself and Neve Orbinski who's a nutritionist who's been a guest on the show here collaborate a lot and people can go back and, and listen to that episode in the podcast because that was a really good insight into what intuitive eating is and the health at every size movement and I wanted to ask you on because you have another event coming up and it's about intuitive parenting and again this comes from personal experience and people will say well how can we let kids intuitively eat and, and ditch diet culture. Tell us a bit about raising your four kids.
3: Yeah, you know, it's interesting
1: how we're we we, we we're kind of conditioned
3: to think that we have to control what our children eat and, and that they won't be able to self-regulate. But actually, you know, when our children are born, they're super intelligent and know what they need and they know how to access food by crying and they, they get milk when they're very young. So actually, children are born intuitive eaters and uh, know what they need to nourish themselves. But at some point along the way, Um, There's usually some interruption, an external interruption, maybe from parent or they go to school or a grandparent, or yeah, just any number of things really that kind of can disrupt that um, inner wisdom. And that's what happened with my children. I uh, my first two, my oldest two, I would have been, I suppose, knee deep really in diet mentality and had lots of rigid rules about food and this food is good and this food is bad and this is unhealthy, this is healthy, this is unhealthy. And I, you know, projected all of that uh, worry and food fear and judgment onto my children. And and I say this with without beating myself up by the way. So for any parent that is worries that they're doing the same thing, controlling trying to control their children's um eating or food intake, you know, it's okay, we're doing the best that we know-how at that time but you know and it's not this this information isn't to kind of scaremonger parents about what they are doing um but it's just to bring some awareness that actually um it can be very unhelpful to have all of these rules in place for our children and i learned that because my my second um son you know by the age of three and four i i really kind of had him you know I i removed everything gluten and dairy and because i was advised that that was kind of causing maybe some digestive issues but i put him on this really rigid diet and you know he was binge eating by the time he was five you know he was kind of going into the press and sneaking all the food and running in, in, in granny's house or you know hoarding it up in his bedroom and then I'd find wrappers hidden away and you know and to be honest it mirrored exactly what I'd done for many years so I, I could recognize um straight away because I had experienced binge eating myself so I knew okay something's not right here um and that was uh, you know he's he's nine now but so it was a number of years ago and that kind of really was what spurred me on to think okay maybe what I'm doing actually isn't great and and, and obviously he's not in a great place with food so it really made me kind of push me to kind of consider it all and you know I had two children after that one is now coming four and one's now coming six and um I raised them without all the rules and it is like a different world, um, having reared them without all of that pressure to have the perfect diet and and to feed them perfectly and all of this, you know, it's the knowing that there is room for all foods at the table, and we don't we don't put food any food on a pedestal, we can, and and don't instill this kind of judgment and fear about certain foods with our children. It's fascinating to watch how sometimes my child now will like choose the the apple over the the chocolate or we'll choose the you know choose the option that we think jesus well i don't think i would have chosen that at his age why because it was probably limited and restricted but actually when they know that they can have the chocolate or the fruit or the vegetables or whatever it might be without this kind of pressure they're then open to actually. You know what? Do, what do I really want? What do I actually want? And um, because they know it's not going to be taken away from them again, and so interesting. Like they're not, they're not, they're, they don't spend the, the 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 parties when they meet their friends. You know, sitting around the table, you know, eating all of the sweets and the cake because they know. Well, this might be the only option I'll get. I'll get to have any of this for the next God knows how long because Mammy won't give me any of it. And that's what my older two done. So I really see such a difference with. um with having raised some these younger two as into and I hope I also will let parents know that even if you've done what I've done in terms of the older children and rearing them kind of with that diet mentality it's always possible to change the way and to integrate new ways of trying to kind of nourish some self-trust with them again it's never too late to start so don't be put off thinking well mine now i've been doing this forever and you're like i wouldn't even know where to start you could always start i started when mine were you know a five and kind of maybe uh, 11 12 at that time so it's never too late to start
1: and what are some of the rules then you would throw away well, all food rules, you know, in terms of like, there's no such thing as good and bad food. Now,
3: does that mean that it's like, you know, a free for all and that you let the kids in to do the shopping and to buy all of the crisps and chocolates and ice cream and that's all you will be having? Absolutely not. I mean, nutrition is important. Our children need, um, you know, adequate nutrition to develop and grow and all of that, all of that. Um, And in, in my house, we kind of call them, you know, growing foods, the foods that our children need to kind of sleep well and that their mood is good and that they can, you know focus in school and we call fun foods the foods that are equally as important because they're satisfying and pleasurable and that's not to say the grown foods aren't either satisfying and pleasurable but fun foods are less about kind of our development and they are more foods that we can have on occasion that are there that are you know enjoyable and it's like we focus on having a real mixed bag of our growing foods and then also offering up fun foods as well so it's not like keeping the quote-unquote treat for the weekend you know because that again is just putting it it's putting that food on a pedestal. So we we don't refer to any food really as as treats. Um, And, you know, it's our job as parents to do our best, whatever that would look like, to offer a wide variety of foods. And then it's our children's jobs. This is like the division of responsibility. It's the child's job then to decide. So what I might do is serve up some vegetables and proteins and carbohydrates, so like a meat and, um, you know, vegetables and potatoes, for example, and then I also might have like some chocolate. Uh, besides the, the dinner um or uh, a little small bowl of ice cream uh, and have that there it may not be offered every day and it doesn't have to be but again you're just normalizing that this isn't a big deal and that's the piece i think for the children is that we don't kind of moralize food as good or bad because our children internalize that message to mean that well if i want to eat the ice cream then there's some, i must be bad and that's not the message that we want to instill in them
1: yeah, there's so much, isn't there, especially in this area. I mean, obviously for grownups too, diet culture has really kind of got in there. But with kids coming from a really good place, we can put so much emphasis on things like eating everything on your plate. Or, you know, I even heard myself saying, if you eat all your vegetables, you can have a piece of chocolate. I mean, the messaging that's there, when you think of it, it's it's, it's no wonder they get to adult life at times And eating can be a little bit all over the place. It's by just giving a bit more freedom around food and trusting that they will make the right choices. Did you struggle with it at the start?
3: oh my god yes and to be honest you know because I was working on my own stuff as well I did need some additional support to navigate with the children because I had lots of fears you know I still doubted like well what if they just don't stop eating chocolate and that they never want to eat a food for dinner you know uh, and it's just it's simply just not what has happened and again you're right you know I don't um when they sit when we set up at the table the only rule that I have um in the at, let's say at dinner time because most of the time we sit down as a family um is that you know they have to all sit at the table that's the only rule like i don't care if, if you don't take anything off the, your plate that is up to you now does that mean that i have to go and make something else that you would prefer to eat in a half an hour absolutely not it's not a restaurant they're at you know so i will offer up something uh, i will make a dinner but i would also ensure that at, at every meal there is something in that dinner that i know each child likes Do you know what I mean? There has to be something uh, in the offering that they will like. And they might try something that they don't particularly like, but it's not done from a place of like, you know, you have to try it. It's more left to them and when they feel that they want to explore more, that's at their own pace. But there's never a pressure of you have to eat X, Y and Z on your plate. And I also have like a kitchen is closing policy because, you know, I have smaller kids and sometimes in the evening they'll be like, but I'm hungry. And it's 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 often a distraction from wanting to go to bed or do anything else. So I will let them know, you know, after dinner, OK, that the kitchen will be closed by this time. And so if you wanted to get a snack before bed, that's OK. Um, but after that, then it'll be bedtime. So it's again, it's not we can put boundaries in place that suit us as a family without it being from a restrictive controlling their food. Does that make sense? It's like a responsive feeding approach.
1: So that snack, people might have a treat drawer or a treat cupboard. Is that open to your kids at that time? And then sometimes they end up going for a cracker and cheese or an apple or a little bit of leftover dinner.
3: So usually at that sorry, I I I'm in the west of Ireland and, and the, the, the seagulls could be going 90 here in the <laughs> background. So I hope I hope you can hear me. Um okay. But yes, yeah, so I think what I will usually do if they say I'm hungry, I will usually check in, you know, what's going on? Is this belly hunger because you haven't eaten your dinner? So is it actually that you might need some growing foods right now, or what's happening? Is it more taste hunger? You'd like something in your mouth before, you know, that kind of um that pleasure in your mouth before you go to bed. Um um, and, you know, sometimes if they did, weren't too fussed on what I, I offered up at the point of dinner, I will sometimes give a bit of time before I put away any dinner leftovers and I leave it available to them and they will come back to it. So sometimes, like my four-year-old now might not always eat when we sit to eat, but I will leave it for a while and he might come back to it. So I don't I don't clear the table immediately. I give it time. And if it's kind of more um, belly hunger, if he's physically hungry for food, I will encourage that he heads to what I had offered up for dinner, and that's not to say that he can't have some chocolate with that. Um, but I explained that we need the growing foods when we're when we're physically hungry. So they they do they do know that.
1: It's such a new shift of a of a mindset, but such a positive one. I think you have um, a, an event coming up, Intuitive Parenting. It's taking place in Dublin on Sunday, the fourth of September. But you're not just going to be dealing with kids and food it's going to be intuitive parenting so there's other elements to it as well yeah it's like i'm really looking forward to it there's going to be lots of other elements to it we've got lots of great speakers at it it's going to be looking at
3: food obviously and intuitive eating like raising intuitive eaters as we've kind of spoken about there but it's also going to look at body image and it's going to look at sexuality and it's going to look at um regulate like how do do we as parents like help regulate and understand and uh, validate our children's feelings and how to navigate that and we're also going to hear from somebody with lived experience so somebody who's put on a diet themselves at a young age and how that really negatively impacted them because the sad reality is unfortunately a lot of peer parents are told at the moment that oh you know your child is at a certain weight like you need to restrict their food and, and help them lose weight and it, it's just it's just not as simple as that you know and, and, and that usually sets them up for often a lifetime of being stuck in diet mentality and it just does not serve um, anybody um, so it's, so we've got um, I'm just trying to think if we left anybody else <laughs> speaker wise no, so there's going to be like six speakers total. Total. But as you mentioned, there's gonna be lots of elements um to it. And even though we've labelled it intuitive parenting, we want that to know that that's you might not be a physical parent yourself, you may not have a child, but you might might also you might have a child in your life that you would do, or you could be an auntie, an uncle, a, a grandmother, or a grandfather and or you work with children, you might be working in a creche or a, um, a you know a Uh, primary school or you know even a a therapist that works with children the information that we have is going to be invaluable because unfortunately we get the diet culture messaging everywhere so it's really important that like more and more professionals educate them about what we should really be saying to parents uh, and what we should really avoid saying because unfortunately there's just too much of the rampant diet culture narrative um, surrounding us all the time.
1: Well, look, full disclosure, I'm going to be your host and I can't wait. Yay. I loved the last <laughs> event. I just love this message. I'm on a journey learning with it as well. Um, and I love the work that you're doing. If people want to find out more, you can go to nutritionwithneve.com and to follow Sinead and Gillian Crow and their work on Instagram, you can go to intuitive.eating.ireland. Sinead, thank you very much. I will see you September 4th at the Castleknock Hotel in Dublin. Thanks
3: so much Claire
1: Now the invitation read Try our immunity package The combination of four elements of flotation therapy red light therapy infrared sauna and salt caves will leave you and your health feeling rejuvenated So of course I was intrigued and I went out to Drift Float Therapy in Dublin to meet owner Rob Dillon Hi, Rob, how are you? Yes, how's it going? Thank you very much for having me. No problem. So how long have you been open here? Uh, A little over a year. And that was obviously a tough time to be starting just towards the end of the pandemic, thankfully.
0: Yeah, tough time now. Yeah, we've had a good year. So getting to see a lot of people coming in and trying the different services. We've added a lot as well. So when we started first, it was just flotation therapy. Now we have salt caves, infrared sauna, and we have a red light therapy room as well.
1: So what was the dream here? What was the aim when you went to open?
0: Uh, well, I was a lover of kind of acupuncture and float therapy myself. And then one thing kind of led to another. It took a few years and uh, decided I wanted to have my own place. You know, free floats as well.
1: And wh- where did you come across
0: flotation therapy first? Uh, first when I was in Australia. Uh, a friend of mine, he's the manager here now. He was telling me about it for, I'd say, about two years before I actually tried it. And then when I came back to Ireland to do his place in Nice, I was using that, and then um, kind of just went from there. So that's what I'm going to do: the immunity package. So I'm going to yeah. float and have a sauna. Is that right? Uh, you're going to float. You're going to have a sauna, and then you don't do salt therapy afterwards.
1: Okay, so I'm getting a three, yeah. three and one. Okay, will we have a little look around the place? Show yeah. me around. So yeah. we're in reception here now, yeah. where we check in. Beautiful Voya pl- products. The place smells gorgeous.
0: Our float here, and this is our float and uh, sauna room. So there's both in this room. The other rooms we just have floats, but if you wanted to do both, sometimes people just do the float or just do the sauna. But if you can do, you can do both here in this one.
1: And what's the idea of this flotation pod?
0: The main one, like I suppose, what we see people using for stress relief, sleeping problems, and uh, sports recovery, do you know? and then uh, you're lying in half a ton of epsom So even just lining that if you're not here for the mental side of it is uh, very beneficial for you and where did you get these pods from? This is an American company based out of Singapore because um, it's, it's quite
1: big yeah. when you look online you kind of get a bit freaked out and think oh god am I going to like this I know it's good for yeah. me but will I be it's okay yeah, yeah, yeah. but when you get here it's actually yeah. very big I mean yeah. you've plenty
0: of yeah. space you know and you can leave the lid open as well if you want like we had uh, someone in this morning that left the lid open the whole time for the first time. When she was chatting to us after, she said, oh, next time definitely lid down, lights off. Do you know?
1: Because so I suppose there is an issue if somebody is claustrophobic. I'm not, so yeah. I. but I'm even a little bit wary about how I'm going to feel when I get in there. Yeah,
0: exactly, yeah. So you see yourself how big the room is. Well, the lights are on. So that can be just left on for you.
1: So when you're in there, you're floating there are the physical benefits you mentioned but yeah. there's you can turn off the light yeah. there's no sound and you're just floating so it's a real
0: proper switch off i imagine yeah, it is it is it's a as far as i know it's the only thing that can get you in such a deep state like that without um like some people could meditate for three or four hours to achieve that do you know whereas this you can click into it 10 minutes
1: and what sort of difference do you notice from
0: even yourself doing this? Better sleep, process stress differently. Do you know, things that would have usually stressed you, they still stress you, but on a completely different level. Do you know, your body doesn't receive the stress the same way, that's the main thing. So you doing this on a regular, you're generally a lot less stressed. So I'm going to get in here for how long? Uh, Typically an hour
1: okay yeah. and like s-
0: if it was your first time you said oh geez i'll just do half an hour and try it out
1: okay that's
0: fine but a typical session's an hour and um, but then a lot of our regulars they'll do maybe an hour and 20 or an hour and a half some even two hours
1: wow okay so i'm going to go for the hour yeah. for my first time yeah. um and it's the salt that makes you float is that right like yeah. the red sea it's,
0: it's so dense yeah so we've half a ton of pure epsom salt in here probably about six seven hundred liters of water and then yeah it's real dense you can touch it it's kind of syrupy once you lie back that takes your away, fully suspended
1: okay and i do buy epsom salts from now every now and then yeah. and throw them in the bath and i don't really know why i'm doing it i just yeah.
0: have heard somewhere yeah, it's, it's good it, for yeah. the muscles is that yeah, true it is yeah exactly because so you can imagine how concentrated this one is uh, like we've had a few rugby players any impact sports mma stuff like that runners as well getting the back of their calves in there and um, just soaking in that mineral for an hour it's beneficial on its own. So, what's the idea then between
1: having the flotation followed by the sauna followed by the
0: salt therapy? You're targeting three different areas there. Do you know? Like I always say to people, that if you're when you're coming first, it's to try them individually, and then it's like when you're here regular uh, doing that immunity package, and or if if you just really needed a boost, a full health boost, doing all three together, especially in winter you know you can imagine like cold flu season stuff like that people's immune systems are lower like the sauna alone boosts your immune system floats boost your immune system and then the salt therapy as well boosts your immune system so that's why we call it like the immune boost pack and this is warm is it this pod yeah it's about 35 and a half degrees so the idea is to set the same temperature as your skin so you lose your sense of touch where the water is where your skin is and uh that's part of desensitizing your brain, you know, helping you just completely switch off. If your brain doesn't know if it's standing, sitting, lying, it's not receiving that signal anymore, which is, uh, that's one of the best feelings about it.
1: Okay, right, I can't wait, right, let's give it a go. Okay, so I've survived, I still feel a bit like I'm melting, but I was stunned at how quickly you're able to let go, Um, because you literally do float, and it's a lovely feeling to be weightless, and people will be listening, wondering, is it the same for all body shapes and
0: sizes that you float? Oh yeah, 100%, yeah, yeah. I have read something about uh, bone density that one in a million can float, but it's it's literally one in a million, yeah, so everybody, all shapes and sizes
1: and you do you don't feel claustrophobic once you get in there Um, you have the music for the first five minutes then that goes off then you have a choice to turn off the light which I did yeah. and yeah you just float there you're lovely and warm you're cozy because yeah. it can be hard lying on a mat or sitting yeah, 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 yeah. now look obviously I was still thinking about what am I getting for dinner and what am I doing yeah. here but
0: yeah. it's easier to come back and I definitely floated off for a while like the hour flew by yeah that's it like you pick like that was your first time and you were able to engage like that you imagine you did two or three do you know so like can't you take up for the first time Yeah, like say you start yoga or pilates your first class is completely different to say your fifth class yeah. do you know so it's, it's the same thing but you're dealing with your, your inner head
1: yeah no totally fair enough because you're still thinking am i into this what do i think of this god this
0: is nice you know and then after a while it becomes normal so you're not thinking of of that the process even just going through the procedures all that kind of thing lights even showers all that like when the regulars here like they're literally they're in and out quick chat and they know what they're doing they're bang it takes them five minutes to switch off then so they get a full like 50 minutes nearly of that yeah that full deep space
1: So I showered off because you do need to be conscious of the salt. You can't get it in your ears. You're wearing earplugs. You need to wash it all off yourself. And then another half an hour sit in the sauna. So I don't know the last time I sat for an hour and a half and literally did nothing. Yeah,
0: Yeah, brilliant. Yeah, that's what it's all about. Do you know, it's switching off. We're trying to get like a spa-like feel, but just primarily focusing on different areas of your health and mainly switching off, de-stressing. Well, my whole body still sort of feels like it's been buzzing.
1: I suppose it's been put to two extremes or to one very new experience and then a feeling of extreme heat followed by a cold shower. So, yeah, I feel a bit all over the place, but in a good way.
0: Yeah, that's it. Like the main thing would be drink plenty of water, relax. I wouldn't be doing this and then going to work or anything like that. You want to be doing this at a time when you have nothing else to do that day or very minimal at the end of your day and then home to yeah, bed at the end of the day or if you have a day off to start of the day like we're open the weekends we're open late in the evening some people they do it before a big meeting you know especially the flow therapy you can just you know, even boost your creativity like that, it's great for that kind of thing yeah. or if you're under a lot of pressure that's when you know you'd use it it's like like you could use it as a crutch then you know once you've pick, have picked it up it's very easy to just engage in it amazing so we're going to have a look upstairs now at the Salt caves. caves. Yeah, salt caves. We have three different ones. So we have a one person room if you didn't like to sit in my But our group room can be booked, but we still only have a max of four people here. Do oh, you lovely. know? Other salt caves have like 10 or 20, but this is a lot more personal.
1: Because I do feel like myself personally, much as I was very happy to see the end of the pandemic.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Uh, big huge groups of people it still enters yeah. my mind or I still feel more comfortable where yeah. there's less I don't yeah. feel uncomfortable I've
0: like been to gigs all yeah. sorts and loved that it's back to that Yeah.
1: but yeah sometimes
0: in a it is it's better Yeah. situation like this they're yeah, saying that even the salt therapy is antibacterial antiviral so th- the room is completely saturated with salt we're actually pumping it in you see it's on the walls and on the floor here but that's basically just cosmetic the salt therapy itself we're pumping it into the room That's. Creating this microclimate.
1: So, when I was filling in the form downstairs um, just to, to register myself and my details, yeah. I read that it is normal after therapy like this to maybe have a tickle in the throat or be blowing yeah. your
0: nose a little bit more. What's yeah, going on there? Especially there because the, when the salt's actually going down into your lung, it's freeing up um, any mucus that might have been there. And you didn't even realise you know it's opening your airways it's, help, it's basically helping people expel stuff that they didn't know especially with kids young sickly kids stuff like that constantly sneezing like can you come in here the parents always say that Jesus like they were blowing their their nose a lot that night and uh, they were perfect then the next day and no more coughing do you know so that's what that's, what that's about
1: and do you just sit here or do you have to breathe differently or just be mm. normal
0: I kind of breathe in through the nose out through the mouth yeah do a few deep breaths but yeah more or less just breathing normal and what is this salt like where does this come from this is um, medical grade salt so it's a completely different chemical makeup than you wouldn't be putting it on your dinner like that you know so it's it's primarily made for um, kind of you'd be using in hospital situations a little incubators for babies when they're premature be used, that's sort of one use for um, it's, it's primarily for breathing you
1: know okay Wow, it's very peaceful in here, isn't it?
0: Yeah, yeah, I love it here, yeah. yeah it's the coming, white, like yeah. snow,
1: which is, it does something, it kind of settles you.
0: Yeah, definitely, and the lights are kind of up high now, so we'd have them down a lot lower. We have little candles, um, they'd be lighting, so really relaxes you.
1: So these kind of therapies, I mean, it's better if you're doing them consistently, isn't it, rather than a kind of once a year job With or in sol- a crisis?
0: Yeah, the salt therapy anyway, be primarily used for like asthma, and um, maybe s- uh, psoriasis, and um, we've got like allergies that they be are probably your three big ones sinus issues, sleeping problems. If you were targeting that, you need to do a, f- a few of them, salt sessions close together. The float's a different story, it can be whenever you feel it's like similar to a massage. Do you know, you'll know what you get from it, and then you'll feel the build up and you go, geez, I could use on them. Do you know, it's like that.
1: I think it's good advice though that you gave people come and experience each uh, yeah individually yeah because yeah, then you're going to yeah, know definitely. what benefit you're getting from from yeah, what if you do all yeah. three you're not sure which blissed yeah. you out even though all
0: lead exactly. to a good blaze yeah exactly exactly that's it it's definitely better to do all three first but by all means if you wanted to try them all it, that's no problem
1: brilliant well that's what I'm doing and thank yeah. you very much for having me oh,
0: brilliant thanks a million for coming.
1: Now, I can't tell you how relaxed I was walking out of that place. I was zonked. I mean, I was safe to drive home and everything. But when owner Rob says you wouldn't plan much after it, that you should book it in on a day off or in an evening, he was right. My body was so relaxed. That pod was incredible. I loved it. And I'd have to say that going here and to the other sauna place I featured on the show a couple of weeks ago, those appointments actually fell one week after another. And I felt amazing in the weeks after that. I think we really do forget to schedule in proper rest and recovery, particularly at that level. It's so important and you really do feel the benefits. For more on Drift, you can go to driftfloattherapy.ie. Now, Darren Kennedy is a TV presenter, a columnist with the Sunday Independent, and is perhaps best known for his style and impeccable grooming. Today he joins me to talk about what health and wellness means to him and a subject close to his heart the Irish Cancer Society night nurses. You're very welcome, Darren. How are you?
4: I'm very well, Claire. How are you doing?
1: I'm very good. Where in the world are you talking to us from?
4: Well, right now I am perched on a lovely little outdoor stool in the heart of Mykonos, Greece, uh, on my on my summer holidays.
1: Nice. I <laughs> know uh, I had a little peruse of your Instagram yesterday ahead of this chat, and it's quite dreamy. I'd say you're quite happy. Travel is back.
4: Oh my God, so much so, so much so. But I have to say, don't believe everything you see on Instagram, right? It's only one side of the story. But yeah, I mean, travel is back. I mean, I was chomping at the bit last summer. I remember the date. I think it was the 17th of July was when we could travel again. I was gone.
1: <laughs> so it's not true. You're not always impeccably groomed.
4: Oh, no, I didn't say that, Claire. I didn't say that. <laughs> 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 I of course, leave that to you your are. imagination. I leave that to your imagination, of course. Of course um, you
1: are. Well, look, you're here to talk to us about the launch of the Boots Night Walk in aid of the Irish Cancer Society Night Nursing Service, which is just incredible. They provide end-of-life care for people living with cancer in Ireland and they're looking to raise much needed funds for this. This is a subject that's close to your heart. I don't think there's a family in it Ireland that haven't been touched by cancer.
4: Well, that's, you know, that's the thing, Claire, as you say there, it's like, you know, cancer is something that really touches pretty much all of us at some stage in our lives. Um, and for me, it was my first kind of encounter with cancer was um, over 20 years ago. I was doing my leaving cert and my dear nanny, Lily Maguire, um, known as Lily locally, uh, passed away with cancer Um or due to cancer, should I say. And it was obviously a really tough time for for all the family. And I remember, um, and I didn't really know what was going on because I think I was being sheltered really from the true Hollywood story of it all. My parents wanted me to focus on studying because I was literally a couple of days out out from the leaving cert. And my granny had been in hospital. She had a mastectomy a couple of years earlier and then was back in hospital and basically the cancer had spread and it had gotten to the point where there was very little they could do apart from keep her comfortable and she was she came home and she hadn't lived with us she used to spend a lot of time with us in her house but she came home and uh, she my parents I remember they asked me would they mind if nanny could she have my room I was like of course she can and so nanny was in my room and I slept in on a blow-up mattress in my brother's uh, bedroom and I remember there was that the night nurse. Um, my parents had gone down the path of of talking to um, the Irish Cancer Society about the night nurse service and what that entailed. Um, and they were, you know, they were unsure because it's there's so much going on, really. When when you're ex- going through that end of life stage with anybody, they didn't know what to expect. And I just remember the night nurse service themselves. They were being they were so informative and they were so. Um, comforting. I think that's the key word. Now, in the end, my my granny went downhill uh, quite rapidly, and we never actually used night nurse service in my home. But I've subsequently over the years, you know, no friends, very close friends who've availed of the service. And it's really quite incredible. So essentially, you know, nurses are coming in at night and spending the night with the person who's who's at that end of life stage. So I guess it's, you know, amongst other things, it's offering respite to the families. um, But it's also comforting because you know there's someone there's an expert with them um and i actually think that the people who do it are quite amazing because they they you know to be able to come into a household at that stage and to kind of navigate what is a really difficult time for people and to to help but not to overstep and the the empathy really for me is the key word there um so they it's an amazing service that's you know Anyone can can I guess apply for, um, and it's almost entirely funded by donations. So that's the thing, and that's really where the the Boots Night Walk comes in. So it's all about raising key funds to keep the night nurse service going. Um, so it's uh, the, the the Night Walk itself, the Boots Night Walk, takes place. It's an annual uh, walk now at this stage, and this year we're asking people to join us and to start fundraising and to join us on the ninth of September in the Phoenix Park in Dublin, um, I think it's 7pm, and uh, to walk five kilometres and raise funds. And that's, and that's really simply it. Now, obviously, if people can't make it to the Phoenix Park and they want to do their own run, you can sign up um, at the thebootsnightwalk.com uh, and register your own walk wherever in the country you want to.
1: And it's just a really positive thing to do in the same way as the night nurses coming in is something positive during... What can be quite yes. a dark time, but it can also be quite a special time. Families are really coming together, and obviously there's a lot of a heartbreak. But yeah, I mean to be able to get up to ten it's, nights of care free, so that you can get a little bit of of sleep or spend. You know, there can be young kids mm-hmm. in a house that need attention yeah. too. It's just an absolutely incredible service, and I think anyone and who's used it will come together on that night. There'll be a lovely community feel on the walk i'd say
4: that's the thing and i think you know whether it's you know all across ireland people are going to be doing their their walk you know and and for people who can't uh, join for whatever reason um you can buy an honor tag in any boots store nationwide which is basically in honor of anyone who has lived with cancer uh, or passed away with cancer and for every honor tag sold the boots ireland team will walk one meter in that person's honour. So um, there's lots of ways to get involved and basically people want to help and, and help support uh, the Irish Cancer Society night nurses um, and you just when you said that there about like it can you know it can also be a really special time I do remember I used to come so I was 17 at the time and uh, I was I'd you know I'd be out late and up to all sorts of things that I shouldn't have been doing around the leaving cert but anyway um, and I'd come in late at like late at night when the rest of the house would be asleep it could be you know half 11 or midnight and my granny would be would be lying in bed, Lily, and um, she never wanted the curtains closed and she never wanted the door closed. So I would—I remember a couple of nights tiptoeing past and seeing that she was wide awake. And uh, it was really special because I'd go in and just sit on the edge of the bed and just talk to her. And sometimes we didn't even say much, you know, it was just kind of little comments or whatever. And it was a really, really special time. Um, And that, listen, everyone has a different experience, but I would... You know, anyone who has any inclination to join us, please do. Um I think it's going to be a lovely walk.
1: That is so nice. I can so see that picture and I completely get not shutting the curtains mm. and just being able to see that night sky and the dawn coming in and the sun going down. I just think that's really important. So yeah. it might be starting to get dark around seven o'clock on Friday, the 9th of September. So you can look at that night sky and do that walk for your nanny lily that is gorgeous so how much of a she will she will so how much of a role does health and wellness play in in your life what does it mean to you darren
4: oh well for me health and wellness is just part of my lifestyle it has been for for such a long time now um and it's just part of like even I was in the gym this morning. Um, I'm on holiday, but and I didn't go and kill myself. I went in for twenty minutes. But it just it, it gets the blood pumping. It gets kind of you know oxygen into the blood. It makes me feel good. I feel I feel better after it. So if for a long time it's been very important to me. I actually started um, kind of a routine of training in the gym when I was about 24 and had gone freelance and was actually sitting at home working on my own. So something that a lot of people have only discovered over the past year or two. I was doing that 15, 16 years ago. And for me, getting out to the gym and having that routine um, became really, really important for my own mental health. It was also an opportunity when I would speak to people. It could be the first time in that day that I've spoke to someone face to face. So there's like, I mean, I could go on um, I think it's. A, I'm a big advocate of just taking care of yourself, and and I say that as well, physically and mentally. And I think that you know, when it comes to our mental health as well, you know, having a therapist, even if it's someone that you. You might talk to once every three or four months just to check in. We work out our minds um, or we work out our bodies, should I say. I think it's important that we work out our minds as well.
1: Yeah, and everybody's different, you know, and it, it's going to be different for everyone. But being able to check in and go, what do I need right now? The way you did when you went yeah. freelance or how am I feeling right now? Maybe I could reach out and talk to somebody. It's just that that check in. And when you find what works for you, leading into that and, and having that as, as part of your lifestyle yeah, as you're saying, exactly. and it's so much more than just building muscle and looking a certain way. You didn't even mention that. You mentioned a whole host of other benefits uh, well, to well, that's working it. out. Yeah.
4: I mean, it's a big, a big part of me is the building in that routine. And I think, you know, as humans, we all love some element of routine. And one of the constants in my life is actually the fact that I work out and that's routine that I can plug into anywhere and obviously, with work with my job, I travel a lot, and which I love. but sometimes you know it knocks you, you it's very hard to have a routine. For me, the, you know, the the fitness element and and keeping kind of on top of that is routine that comes everywhere with me.
1: Yeah, that's your anchor and you're a Sunday independent column. I'm a big fan of it. It deals with interiors and how much of a part do you think our home and how we have it plays into our well-being and how we feel?
4: Oh my God, a massive part, a massive part. I mean, I've always been obsessed with interiors and I remember I must have been about six or seven um, and I'm a total mammy's boy growing up, right? I'll hold my hands up and say it and I love nothing more than you know spending a Saturday afternoon with my mother rearranging the sofas and all the furniture in the living room and making it feel like a brand new space and like <laughs> we'd be so pleased with ourselves literally dragging furniture that weighed about 10 times the size of me uh, across the the you know and we live with tiny little living room as well but we used to I used to be so happy and I've always had that uh that sense of the space that you live in and that you you pass through and that you spend your life in is so important in terms of how you feel. Like it's a reflection of, of, of you know, it's a reflection of you in a sense. And I kind of think if and I'm not a, I'm not a, I'm not a clean freak, right? But I think if you live in a really messy, untidy space, that you absorb that, and for me, that you know, it messes with my clarity when it comes to work, or just even with me in terms of like being able to relax. So. Creating a space, whatever it is to you, that means kind of a sanctuary and relaxation is really important because when all is said and done, you know, we all lead busy lives. But you come home, you close the door into your home and that is your it's your little nest, you know.
1: And you were so t- you were talking recently um, in, in one of the articles about not necessarily decluttering because you were saying, I like having all my stuff out, my books, my trainers, yeah. whatever I yeah. bought, I have bought it because I like it. So let's yeah. put it out there. But you were talking about kind of sorting through things. And I thought you had an interesting technique. Can you tell people a little bit about that, about starting a job and just tipping away at it?
4: Yeah, so it's called the Pomodoro Technique. And, you know, you can apply it to anything in your life, but it it works equally well with decluttering or tidying up. Because I always find, right, it's one of those jobs that we all procrastinate about, and it becomes this massive issue that really it shouldn't be. The Pomodoro Technique essentially is that any task that you want to complete, give yourself, or that you want to even start, give yourself 25 minutes. So set a timer, and then just for 25 minutes, tackle that task. And I always think the perfect example is, you know, we've all got that drawer in our kitchen or in our house, which has keys, it has sellotape, it has plasters, it has screwdrivers, it has phone chargers, it has hairpins, it has everything in there, right? Um, Probably some scratch cards where you won two euro on, you know, flung in there. And um, it's like, you're always, you know, at least I'm always looking at it going, I need to tidy it up. So set an alarm for 25 minutes or even start with 10 minutes if you want. And I pretty much guarantee you that even if you haven't finished in the twenty-five minutes, you'll be encouraged to keep going and get the job done. Or else, if not, come keep coming back to it for maybe ten minutes every day until it's done. And it's a great little one because then once it's done, you don't have to do
1: it again. Yeah, and you're not putting that pressure on. You're like it's twenty-five yeah. minutes. I can do that. And I actually
4: did it. I actually did it yesterday. <laughs> I'll give you a laugh. So I did it yesterday with my um with my. I've two small. I've like a backpack and a, a kind of. Body bag that I bring everywhere with me traveling, and they've. I love a zipped pocket. Nothing in life <laughs> gives me more pleasure than a zipped pocket, right? So, um, even with clothes, if I buy jackets and they don't have zip pockets on them, I'll bring them to a shop and get a zip put on them. Anyway, so I love a zip pocket, and as I'm traveling, I'm always cards or interesting addresses or sometimes receipts or little you know stubs of plane tickets, whatever. They all go in the bag. Yesterday, I spent fifteen minutes in my hotel room, going through the pockets of, of both bags and I emptied them out. And it was so cathartic.
1: It's cleansing for the soul. It really, really is. I love doing it myself. You've no idea what I cart around in a handbag for months oh and months yeah. on end. Yeah. Well, Darren, thank you so much for coming on. It's been it's been lovely to talk to you. And a reminder that Darren is the ambassador for the Boots Nightwalk Walk and that is in aid of the Irish Cancer Society Night Nurses. It's taking place on Friday the 9th of September in Dublin's Phoenix Park, or you can join from afar or keep your eye out for those honour tags in Boots stores nationwide. For more, go to bootsnightwalk.com. Darren Kennedy, thank you very, very much.
4: My pleasure, Care. Thank you. Have a great day.
1: So that's it for Alive and Kicking for this week. My thanks to my producer, Aidan McKelvey and Hugo de Silva, who was on sound. And thanks to you for listening. I will see you next week.
0: Alive and kicking with Claire McKenna,
1: Sunday morning at 8 on News Talk.